And uh, let me pray as we look at uh, this next chapter in 1 Samuel. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks uh, into our lives in so many different ways. And we pray as we look at this passage uh, that you would encourage us, uh, whether we are uh, in desperate times or good times, uh, we pray that you would speak by your word, by your spirit, into our hearts. We pray that you glorify yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, this chapter is kind of the stuff of an epic Hollywood film, isn't it? The, the hero, David, running for his life, literally running for his life. Uh, he was the inside man, uh, close to the king, his, his right-hand man, a warrior. He played the harp for him when he was stressed. Uh, but the king, Saul, becomes envious and suspicious and wants to take this hero out. Uh, David flees from one bad place to another making very questionable decisions as he goes. Uh, in our modern films, uh, we might see our hero lie or steal or even kill to keep himself alive in a bid to prove his innocence or find freedom. And David here in this chapter is found to be lying and deceiving as he does the same, trying to prove his innocence and escape. Life is messy and that's just for the heroes. It's kind of a desperate time, uh, and a, a desperate times, as they say, call for desperate measures. For you and for me, uh, there will be less killing and car chases and, uh, in our life, but it's still messy, isn't it? We find ourselves in desperate situations, perhaps failing relationships, or failing health, or worries about our children, Perhaps as Yinka reflected in, our, in his prayers for us, uh, praying for those, our children who don't believe. Or elderly parents and our concerns around them or financial desperation. Aside from death, all of us face or have faced or will face desperate times. Dark, lonely, fearful, cold. It may feel like we're running for our life. I thought I was a good person. Why is this happening to me? Why is life so unfair? Why is God letting this happen to me? Or, or even, why has God done this to me? And then, of course, begins an even worse cycle of desperation. In our desperation, we make things worse through desperate and unthought-out actions and thoughts. Urgent situation causing us to make even more mistakes. In our sadness, we blame God, and, and so we sin more against him. Well, now I'm even more of a sinner. I'm even more of a lost cause. I'm certainly not worthy of God's help. He, he's cast me out. God has cast me off. I'm of no interest to him. Perhaps I'm not even worthy of salvation at all. Well, David may be our hero he may be the king who points us to the ultimate king, the hero, Jesus. But he's not perfect like Jesus is perfect. But our hero, David, is not exempt from desperation either, and nor was Jesus. There's a great reassurance in our desperation when we see the desperation of our king. Perhaps that's why 
other desperate people flock to David in this chapter. Perhaps that's why we need and must flock to Jesus today. So for those of us in a black hole of desperation, perhaps we can learn something wonderful about this messy life of desperation in this chapter. Uh, so first of all, uh, we're going to look at desperation's daily bread. Desperation's daily bread, verses 1 to 9. See, as David flees King Saul, uh, you remember those spears being held all over the place by Saul uh, at David. As he flees and he leaves behind those who he loves, his wife, his family, his closest friend, Jonathan, the people who honour him, he, he literally loses everything. Everything that, in a sense, makes his life worthwhile, he just has to run and flee from. Uh, and initially, he flees to Ahimelech, the priest. And even the priest is clearly suspicious of what's going on as David arrives. He doesn't want to be caught between David and King Saul. Verse 1, David went to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David, perhaps wanting to protect the priest from being part of his escape plan, starts his deception. Incidentally, whatever David's motives or intentions of perhaps trying to protect the priest, as we'll see next week, uh, it doesn't work as uh, Ahimelech and all the other priests are killed uh, under Saul's orders. But verse 2, David answered Ahimelech the priest, the, the king sent me on a mission and said to me, no one is to know anything about the mission I'm sending you on. As for my men, I've told them to meet me at a certain place. Well, if Ahimelech is suspicious of David's story already, he certainly will be in a minute when David spots one of Saul's faithful in verse 7 and then immediately asks Ahimelech for a sword. Why would you go on a secret mission without any men, without even picking up a sword or any armour? It's all very odd. It's all very desperate for David. He's hungry. He's fearful of not having enough energy to keep running from Saul. He's got no armour, no food, no men. He's on his own. He's deceiving and lying to a priest to try and protect him or others. Who, who knows? Well, uh, Ahimelech has no food. Uh, there are only the 12 consecrated loaves dedicated to the Lord uh, available to a hungry David. Uh, those loaves would be put out each Sabbath on the table on the north side of the holy place in the temple. And then the Levite priests would then be able to permitted to eat them. They're not really meant for anyone else, but Ahimelech is not a job's worth. Uh, as Jesus refers to this passage, as Martin said earlier, and he knows his Old Testament well. And so he says in verse four uh, to David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. Well, I have, uh, confirms David. We have the men who <laughs> aren't actually coming. Uh, and so David, in his hunger, in his desperation, what does he receive? Daily bread, literally from the Lord's ta table. In David's desperation, he 
he does receive daily bread from the Lord's table. God sustains David in his fear, in his desperation, in his questionable actions. The holy bread literally becomes David's daily bread. We, some of us might object, well, David surely doesn't deserve this bread. Well, perhaps he's kept himself from women, but he's far from blameless. He's lying to a priest. He doesn't deserve this daily bread. What's, what's new under the sun? If our daily bread today from God relied on our daily perfection before God, well, then we'd all be wasting away, wouldn't we? The Lord's Prayer wouldn't be worth praying if we didn't expect daily bread despite our actions. Our daily bread, even in our desperation and our sin, whether that's literal bread or breath to live or the tiniest reminder of grace, well, it's all just that. It's grace from God, and we don't deserve it. But each time we receive a, a tiny portion of daily bread, whatever form that takes in our lives, in our desperation, it reminds us, doesn't it, as David would have been reminded here, that God does provide. In our desperation, the Lord provides some daily bread, however small, however far from what we really desire and need or, or want, but is Small provision in our big problems reminds us that God has not cast us off after all. In our current, our future or our past despair, consider our daily bread. Consider your daily bread, whatever you're going through right now. Those glimpses, those small tastes, that daily bread from the Lord's table. They remind us that God in our desperation has not cast us off he is with us so desperation's daily bread uh, we've seen um, desperation's prayer and praise is next in verses 10 to 15 david now sustained by his daily bread moves on he's not safe in his own country with the priest ahimelech where he goes next tells us just how desperate this whole situation is he leaves Ahimelech and the city of Nob, where with the only sword that Ahimelech has, priests don't normally carry around swords, they don't normally need them. But as God has ordained it, the sword of Goliath that, that David killed a couple of chapters ago is being kept safe there by the priest. And so at least David now is armed and he leaves uh, the priest and he goes. Now, Perhaps it's the sight of the sword uh, mixed with, with David's utter desperation that causes him to make his next move. But it shows us how desperate he is. Uh, verse 10, that day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. Now Gath, in case you don't remember, is the hometown of who? Yes, you've guessed it, the giant man, the snake man, Goliath. So fearful, so desperate was David that he had managed to convince himself that it'd be safer in the enemy, enemy Philistine town, uh, Gath, showing up in Goliath's own hometown with Goliath's own sword. I mean, perhaps he thought he'd 
get in unrecognized. But needless to say, the Philistines were not naive to who came and went from their towns. Verse 11, but the servants of Achish said to him, isn't this David, the king, uh, uh, sorry, isn't it David, the king, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Well, David took those words to heart and very, was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. David realizes he's in real trouble now. It just gets worse in his desperation. So it's probably a really bad decision he's made. He's, he's emphasized and, and made worse his desperation. It's gone from bad to worse. He's been identified. Verse 13. So what does he do? He pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. What a desperate situation. How humiliating, how tiring, how desperate. David's acting is of Oscar-winning performance, uh, and it works. He's released from custody. The king apparently has, I've got plenty of madmen of my own. Don't bring me another one. But what is fascinating is that David, despite him seemingly save himself through his acting, uh, he doesn't see his escape from Gath as his own work. We don't see it in the passage, but uh, we can't help but go to two Psalms that David wrote about this very incident. Psalm 34, for example, the, the introduction uh, we're given in Psalm 34 by David says, Psalm 34 of David when he pretended to be insane before Ahimelech who drove him away, uh, sorry, Abimelech who drove him away and left. And then for Psalm 56, uh, for the director of music to the, the tune of a dove on distant oaks, sound good, sounds good, doesn't it? Of David, uh, a mictam, when the Philistines had seized him in Gath. And this is what David writes about that situation where he had to act so humiliatingly as a madman. He writes this, Psalm 56, verse 1, Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. Listen to the misery David is in, verses 5. All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Verse 8, record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Whatever the rights and the wrongs of David's actions here, one thing is clear. He was praying to God for help utter desperation and misery what does David do he prays verse 56 verse 1 of psalm 56 sorry uh, psalm 56 verse 1 be merciful to me O god verse 3 when i'm afraid i put my trust in you verse 4 in god whose word i praise in god i trust and i am not afraid what can mere mortals do to me verse 10 of 56 in God, whose word I praise, 
in the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust and I'm not afraid. What can man do to me? When in deep desperation we must pray and it leads us to praise. What can man do to me when we're praying and trusting in God? Perhaps a doctor heals you of your illness or disease. Perhaps you find a new job to pay the bills that helps with your financial struggles. Perhaps a friend advises you how to improve your situation and it works. Perhaps you act like a madman against your enemies and you escape. Regardless of the tools used, it is God who is to be glorified for our rescue, for our help. David did not credit his rescue from Gath to his acting skills. He credited it to God, for he alone rescues. Our desperation leads us to prayer and praise and a reminder that it is God who brings us refuge. Uh, Psalm 34, the, the other psalm written by David about this event. I will extol the Lord at all times. Really? In this utter desperation, David writes, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glorify the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Here is David, foolish, desperate, confused. Sound, sound familiar? Sounds familiar to parts of my life. But this is what psalms and prayers and praise are made of, aren't they? They're made of our desperation and our tears and our fear, all cast and put upon God in prayer and praise. We return to him. God has not cast us off. Let us turn our desperation into prayer and praise. God has not cast us off. And then uh, those final few verses from chapter 22 that we're looking at today, desperation's providence, desperation's providence. So in our desperation, we see our daily bread. In our desperation, we turn to prayer and praise. In our desperation, we will see providence. David, having now escaped Gath through his acting skills, returns to his own territory and he goes into hiding in a cave, uh, the cave of Abdullam. Uh, a relatively secluded area. It was about 30 miles or so as the, as the crow flies southwest of Jerusalem. Uh, and at this point, David's father and his household obviously get news of his location and probably now in fear of their own lives, they all come to join him. But it's not just his family that come to join him in the caves. It seems that others who are weak and desperate come instinctively to their future king, and saviour. As we said earlier, what a, a joy to know that our king has suffered and is desperate like us. We can relate. He can relate to us. We can trust him. And so they come. What an encouragement to us to follow and serve our saviour, Jesus, who himself was desperate and suffering in his life. Uh, so 1 Samuel 22 verse 2. All those who are in distress or in debt or discontented gather around, gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. 
See, our desperation is an opportunity to be reminded that we need a suffering commander ourselves. This world brings about uh, and causes our pain, and the Lord Jesus experienced it more so than any of us. He understands our desperation and our pain. But these last few verses today show us another wonderful, if still painful, truth to our desperation. And that is that our desperation is not pointless. David's parents, who've come to join him in this cave, are old. Uh, they cannot live on the run with David uh, and his slowly assembling militia. And so David, now thinking more carefully, takes them to another foreign king and asks him to care for his elderly parents until it's safe uh, for them to return. It, it seems like another foolish decision of David's. I have a look at verse 3 of chapter 22. For there, from there, David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn for what God will do for me. So he left them with the king of Moab, obviously the king agrees, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. It seems like an unlikely request, doesn't it? It seems unlikely to have been accepted, and yet it was. Why would Moab help? Why would David think that they might help? Why did Moab agree? The answer is in seeing yet another desperate situation that's recorded in the Bible that leads to this desperate situation, a sovereign providence that took place uh, in a time uh, years before in order to serve God's people and rescue them now. What are we talking about? The story of Ruth and Naomi. You may remember that desperate story as Naomi uh, flee, flees famine in uh, Israel and goes to Moab, where her two sons marry two Moabite women. Uh, her sons and her own husband all then die. And so she's left with nothing, literally nothing. It's a desperate situation for Naomi. You may remember she changed her name to Bitterness. And yet the faithful Moabite woman, Ruth, returns with Naomi to Israel after the famine to serve the one true God. So much suffering and pain and desperation and bereavement and sadness for those women. And yet, how does the book of Ruth end? Well, it ends with a genealogy. And what do you know? David is the great grandson of Ruth. You see that desperate, miserable, painful time of Ruth and Naomi in God's great providence provides for God's people in a way they could have never imagined. You see, having a little bit of Moabite blood in your family line cannot help but benefit you in this request. And so David's parents, also with Moabite blood, are spared from certain death at the hands of Saul and cared for by God's providence by a foreign king. 
you may never know why you suffer and why some of your life may be desperate. But in God's providence, there will be very good reason. Perhaps it's to support and care for others who go through similar pain and despair as you. Perhaps it's to be realised decades after your own death, as it was for uh, Ruth and Naomi. Perhaps it's to testify to the greatest grace of salvation through Jesus, another descendant of Ruth, incidentally, by holding firm to your faith in desperation. The greatest desperation in all of history stands on that hill as the ultimate example, doesn't it? As Jesus takes our sin and our judgment from God his Father upon himself, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, quotes Jesus from a psalm as he dies on the cross. What a desperate event. But one used in God's providence to secure victory and safety and refuge for all God's people under a king who is not of this world. Another king who faced desperation, the Lord Jesus. His blood shed for us. So that as we approach the throne of God in desperation, in pleads for mercy and in pleading for our lives, we will know that one with a little blood like ourselves through the cross. We've come to the right king, haven't we? With a bit of Jesus' blood shed on the cross and exchanged for our own. When we approach God, he's no foreign king. He's a friend, a father, and we belong to his family. God has not cast us off in our desperation. Our desperation has purpose and providence in God's sovereignty, even if we don't see it. And gloriously, our sins are forgiven by Jesus on the cross, another suffering king who suffers for a purpose. God has not cast us off. Uh, just very finally, um, there's one more desperation point to make. Uh, verse 5 of chapter 22, uh, desperation's voice. See, desperation is no fun. Uh, there's no denying it. David's not having a great time in this chapter, even if he is able to pray and praise God. The knowledge and the acknowledgement of God's daily bread helps. Uh, his call to prayer and praise and desperation helps. And his loving providence for you and for me through our desperation all helps. But there's one last reminder in our passage to help us in our desperation. It's verse 5 of chapter 22. But the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. In his desperation, David still hears the voice of God. God speaks to him. Another man is desperate in this passage, in this section of 1 Samuel, and that's King Saul himself. But God has stopped speaking to him. Saul doesn't hear God's voice in his desperation. Saul is a man on his own, stuck with his own wits, his own wisdom, a man without direction from God. He has no light. He is in misery. But David, in his desperation, still listens to the voice of God, spoken through a prophet 
in verse five. God's voice shines forth in the darkness. And so without hesitation, he obeys and trusts. His desperation has caused him to be utterly obedient and trusting to God. We no longer have prophets who speak God's infallible word to us as David did. But according to Hebrews 1 and 2 Peter 1, we have something better, something even more reliable. We have God's voice secured and perfectly presented to us in his word, the Bible. In our desperation, God has not cast us off. He is speaking to us. 2 Peter 1 Verse 19 says this, we also have the prophetic message as something, so not like it was, something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Isn't that a great verse? God is speaking to us in our desperation through his word as a light shining in a dark place. He speaks to us reliably and fully in his word. We've no need to doubt or distrust, for it is God himself speaking to us. Open your Bibles in your desperation. Read Psalm 34. Read Psalm 56. Read of the suffering King Jesus, who loves us enough to die in the Gospels. God has not cast us off. He is for you. He is providing daily bread. He is asking for your prayer and your praise to trust him. He's providentially preparing grace for you or others in your family and years and years to come uh, through the blood of Jesus. He's speaking to us in our darkness. He is speaking light into our dark lives. He is a God who has not cast us off in our desperate times. Let us pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we praise you that you have not cast us off. We praise you that you love and care for us. You provide daily bread. Help us pray to you and praise you in our desperation. Help us to listen to your glorious voice in your word. And thank you that you are in your providence, preparing good things for your people through our own suffering. We praise you that we can trust and follow you. and that none of it relies on our abilities or getting it right but it relies on our trust in you through the work and the blood of Jesus thank you that we come to you with the blood of Jesus in us so that we may find safe refuge forevermore we thank you in Jesus name amen